Last month, we told you about the Change Leadership Conference that took place on May 31st, an opportunity for leaders from across the region to get together and to hear from thought leaders about how to respond to change. Well, Amy Hurdle was one of the winners of the Change Leadership Awards. She won the Notable Change Leader Award and joins me now. Welcome, Amy, and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. Super honored. So you work in change management. Uh, As a senior consultant, Amy, in the field, there is a lot of change happening in so many aspects of work, uh, you know, across the world. How do you effectively make change that doesn't disrupt, uh, but encourages employees? I, I, I bet that's, that is a challenge in itself. That is by far, you hit the nail on the head, the biggest challenge. Absolutely. Um, I am currently a consultant and I work predominantly, my background is with government. So I'm in the public sector. I was an employee in the public sector for years. And now I'm coming in in more of a coaching change management role, which is very unique compared to coming in being on the ground. Um, So the difference there and some of the challenges that we always see is in communications. So that journey, bringing people on board, it is the most difficult. Um, If we back up and we think about communications and how we talk to staff, how we bring staff along and communicate all the changes, we know it's never just one change. It's multiple changes at once, big and small. It's all in how we communicate and how we bring those people into the fold and really start to share about what that journey looks like. So one of the tricks and things I like to coach other leaders on, and um, especially as executive management, is looking at the big picture, but streaming it down into almost breaking it out into three streams. So if we think about what's in it for me, that's what staff want to know. What's in it for me? I know what's changing, but what's going to change for me? How does this impact and affect me? I try to get leaders to think about the why. So we, the organizational why. At the top level, what's changing for this particular organization or this department? Then you bring it down another layer and you look at the employees. What's changing for them? What's their why? Why is the why is this changing? How does it impact? And then the final layer, I like to do threes, is that end user. So the person receiving the program, receiving the service, it could still be an employee, but typically when we're thinking about public sector, it is a citizen. So how does it affect a citizen, the person coming in and utilizing that new program or that upgraded service? So it's really trying to break things down a couple of layers so that it shows you a journey, how they can get on board, how they can kind of sign up and help with this journey and really starts to help people think differently. They're not just hearing it from the organizational perspective, which sometimes is so hard to see yourself in that picture. Yeah, the full buy-in. And I think the why is so important. The, you know, not the response of, well, because we're doing it, but being able to really explain the why can make a big difference between people jumping on the bandwagon or people feeling like they're not being told everything. Exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely the key is to not, and and you kind of said a little bit of it there, is not just telling people we're doing a thing. This, yeah. is, this is how it happens. It's trying to help the, bring them on the journey, not just through communications, but how can they maybe provide some feedback? Can they help shape that program or service and how the process works? They may not be able to shape the end result, but can they help craft the, the process itself, how it gets delivered? So it's trying to find out how we can best bring them on board through communications, but also engage and involve them through that process. 
Some of the changes we've also seen over the past number of years is around technology, AI. How do you mm-hmm. embrace it and not feel threatened <laughs> by not feel threatened by it? And I think for employees as well as employers, right? For employers, it's just it's yeah. daunting. Let's keep the system going the way it's been going. But for employees, this this fear that oh that it's coming in to take over my job and not to help me. Definitely starting to creep in. Absolutely. We're hearing some of those things starting to, to get on the ground today with the chat GBT and all of these interesting technologies that are coming out. And there's still so many unknowns. We don't know everything about these technologies that are coming out. But the one thing that comes to mind for me is always people are not machines. We're not a system. We're not the machine. There's always a place for us. We are the ones with the thoughts, the emotions. We're the ones that hold those ties. There's always a place for that when we're looking at creating and expanding digital technologies and services. That part will never go away. There's always going to be someone to use a system. So we don't, AI can certainly create things, but it doesn't mean they're the users of the things. So we still have to have that human connection. That connection needs to be there so that we can help determine Whatever we end up creating in those new digital worlds is supportive of the people that will be using it. So there's always going to be a place for those people. What What's the biggest mistake you think employers make in change management, Amy? I, I'm still going to harp on the communication yeah. just because I've seen it not be successful so many times. And a lot of it is due to not being... We almost, when we think about um, talking about a new program or service or even AI, we're telling people what's happening. We're not, like I said, bringing them on the journey, but it's also, we're not being vulnerable when we're having those conversations. So when we're sharing the new things, we're not necessarily acknowledging, you know, the past work that's been done. People, like you said, have been using a thing forever and they may not necessarily see why it has to change. Maybe they think it's really great. So acknowledging that the past work that's been done has been great, but here's how we can improve and, you know, being a little bit vulnerable. Um, as communicators, if we're especially if we're in leadership roles, shows that we're just as human um, and that we're trying to better understand the, their point of view. So staff, employees, citizens, we're trying to, to better understand and build things that make sense um, instead of just talking at people. I've seen a lot of that when it comes to communications, and that's probably the biggest challenge, um, especially in government. We see mandates, legislation. You can't change those things. They're happening. So the outcome, the end result of that might be you have to tell people, but it doesn't mean that you can't still be transparent when you're sharing information about these changes, whether they're legislated or mandated. We can still ask for feedback. We can still find different ways to help people be engaged. So it's it's trying to, I guess, that vulnerability is my biggest piece, is to allow anyone in that type of a position where they're in leadership position, communicating change, talking about change, trying to bring people on board is be a little more human, a little more understanding, empathetic, actively listen, those kinds of things probably I would say are challenges for us. I have about a minute left. I want to talk quickly about workplace disruptors, you know, like let's say a pandemic (laughs) that happened, uh, that changed work life forever. Um, For some that that has been hard. How have you been able to uh, help address that with employers and employees while, you know, things keep disrupting the flow of how we've done things for so many years? There for me is the uh, feedback channel. 
So mm-hmm. when change happens, especially when it's as chaotic, I mean, we we're all part of the COVID change. I was in government at the time working in healthcare, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, very crazy. It's trying to stand up COVID-19 protocols and health and, you know, trying to safeguard our people that were still in the office and, you know, doing all of these crazy, amazing things. And of course, all of us can be there and stand and be supported for supportive of what we're, we're doing. We're all passionate about it and want to make things better. But I think the biggest thing there is the feedback feedback channel, allowing staff to have an open channel to someone, someone trusted would be what I'd say, doesn't necessarily have to be their direct uh, report, but having somebody that they trust that they're able to openly have conversations with about how things are going in real talk, we'll call it real talk. So real talk about those problems and those concerns. um, So they're actively being heard. And then that person has a responsibility when they hear it to be able to take that if they need to to leadership, to the next level, and start to make some effective change. I think that's the biggest thing for me, with a feedback, a place to feel heard and feel safe in that space. It sounds like just working as a team, right? Which is Absolutely. what needs to happen in any organization. Amy, I so appreciate you being on the show again. Congratulations on Thank the you. Leadership Award. And thanks for being on Toronto this weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Enjoy your day.